You're listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast with your host, Jonathan Robinson-Lees. Welcome to the latest episode of the Passion and Perspective podcast. Today, we speak with local musician and DJ, Christy Lees. Music has been an integral part of Christy's life. Her childhood was centred on her vision of one day becoming a singer. Graduating from the Australian Institute of Music, Christy has shifted into the world of DJing, where she has made significant inroads in the industry. The journey has thrown adversity Christy's way, learning to sing again after vocal cord damage, overcoming inequality, and managing a career around motherhood. All the while, Christy has maintained a steely focus that has seen her shine. Please enjoy the latest episode of the Passion and Perspective podcast. Christy, welcome to the Passion and Perspective podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Christy, in 2019, you competed in the Your Shot DJ competition at Home Nine Club, where over a thousand people auditioned and you had the opportunity to perform. How did that opportunity arise for you? Well, it was something that I always wanted to audition for, actually. Um, being a musician already, I just wanted to try something new, but it'd been around for about 10 years um, prior to when I auditioned. And I just always thought, I was like, that's a really cool thing to go for, like a new skill that I can learn and a new like job within the music industry that I can have, you know. Um, so I went for it and I was so nervous and I didn't expect to get in, but I did. And that was so amazing because there's only 100 people that get in um, in each state. So um, there was over a thousand people that auditioned and um, yeah, it just went from there. So then we had six weeks of lessons. So six lessons with a well-known Sydney DJ. Then we had to get up on stage at Home Nightclub and perform. So in Home Nightclub, there's a few different rooms. So we all had different rooms and then we had to invite friends and family and there were judges. It was insane. So yeah, it was really cool. And what was the experience like? As you said, it, you know, it's a pretty iconic venue for us growing up. You know, a lot of people would frequent home nightclub. Being up there in front of people, both people you know, but people you don't, what was the experience like for you? It was, it was very nerve-wracking, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> because like, compared to singing and stuff that I normally do, I've been doing that for a very long time. So, and DJing was so new to me. You don't really know until you DJ how many things you're thinking about at once. So it's just, it's one of these things where you have to be like multitasking in like next level. Um, so you're not even really like, you're thinking of the crowd, but you're not thinking about like, who's that over there? Or like, you know, whereas my friends, you're just like, all right, who's dancing, who's vibing? I'm going to stick to that kind of thing. And um, just the vibe in the room. So but I just remember feeling like, the nerves is what gave me the adrenaline to like do what I felt like to do my best, if that makes sense. So the nerves weren't a bad thing. You know, it helped me to dance more and jump up and down more. And yeah, it was actually like really fun. And it wasn't a bad thing to be anxious prior. <laughs> and that set when it did finish and looking back on it, what's the one thing that stood out to you? What did you love about being up there and DJing for the first time? It was just so much fun. Like I felt like, I don't know, like there was a sense of relief as well because I'd been um, preparing for it 
for weeks, like every day for weeks. And I just can't explain like the, just the feeling of excitement and fun, you know, everyone was into it and vibing. It was just, yeah, it was a really cool feeling. Like sometimes when you're singing, like everyone, no one reacts, but the DJ crowd was, they were just all reacting and like, yeah, Christy. And I'm like, woo, it was just so cool. I don't know. I can't describe it. Like it was just like a really overwhelming, great feeling. What were your expectations going into that event? Were you thinking that you'd blow it out of the water? Were you just hoping to get through it? And then how did it, how did it go compared to your expectations? I obviously I wanted to win, <laughs> um, but I I didn't have like an expectation of where, of you know if I would or wouldn't. I just wanted to do the best that I could do, um, and whether that meant having a place or not, then that was okay. Um, I knew that I would still continue to work hard and get you know better. For me, like I didn't place at all. There's three top places of each day. So there's two days. So you get, I guess, the six places of the hundred. You know, I was disappointed at first, but I knew that I also could have done better because, you know, I'd only just started learning. So for me, it was, it was okay. Like I was going to keep on pushing and pushing till I was good enough to get some gigs outside of, you know, a competition. So for me, it was just like a stepping stone to, to you know, bigger and better things and off the back of that experience where where has your DJing gone where has it taken you after that um I well I got fired from my hospitality job because I went to the competition (laughs) and then I had had two jobs and I quit my other one and then I just went straight to um a restaurant and just said you know um, if you need a DJ, let me know. And they took me on as like a residency. So I just kind of threw myself out there and said, I can do it, whatever you want, like I will do it. And um, I, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing at first, but I just made sure that I practice and put everything into it so that, you know, I would give them, you know, my best. And so I improved over these two months of um, having a residency there. And then I moved on from there to be with a couple of agencies in Sydney. So this was about three months after the competition, three or four months. And, um, yeah, and I just, I just made sure I organised everything, like did a press kit and everything and made sure I was professional. Um, and I guess that's what helped as well. Like being a musician prior, knowing how to do these things, having gigs prior helped me with that, you know, liaising with agencies and things like that. Um, and just, yeah, all I can say is I just gave my best and didn't give up. And I guess I just got to where I was. So then I got with these agencies and some of the places that I got to play were like, um, Bungalow 8, The Loft, Ivy, um, and like Sidebar, which is super fun place to play. Um, a few places in Double Bay, like the She, um, the Royal Oak and a few bars and restaurants as well. Is there one of them that stands out? the most is I guess a performance that you're proudest of or it is most iconic to you um with DJing so it just depends like each place um like you get a brief so you don't always get to play how you want to play kind of thing um unless you're super famous so you get you might say you know they might say play R&B and hip-hop and you've got to play that or house or a mix of everything so it's actually kind of more difficult because you have to cater to um, what they want um and but actually you learn a lot more skills being like an open format DJ 
Um, but I would say for me, like my goal was to be able to get a gig at the Ivy and I got to play there. And that was like a big thing for me. Like it may not be to like some huge DJs, but for me, it was huge for me. Um, because I always knew that as a place that was, you know, big people played there. So for me, that was really exciting. Yeah. Um, and I got to play kind of what I normally play anyway. So like the R&B, hip hop and party anthems. So yeah, it was super fun. Yeah, that would be my favourite, I think. Yeah. What did it mean for your creative process, Christy, to leave those jobs and just to focus wholly and solely on your skills as a musician and a DJ, did it really provide clarity for that creativity? I've, cause I've always had to do hospitality on the side, um, you know, to pay my rent. I was living in Sydney for 10 years. So, you know, as you know, rent's super expensive. So you can't just kind of be a musician and that's it. Um, so for me to leave working in hospitality and working for someone else, like it was just an amazing feeling to be able to, be fully creative like the whole time and I knew that was what I wanted to do you know like DJing was what I wanted to do like I love singing as well and I do my own music but as an income like that was the job that I wanted to do you know so yeah it definitely gave me clarity towards that yeah for sure. And you hear different creatives talk about their process for some people it's about having structured time that they focus on their craft whereas for other people it's just about waiting for that creative wave to hit them before they start how does your process work do you find you need to be quite disciplined with your craft um i'm super super organized so like i'm extremely organized um you know i have lists i have like folders for everything i have notebooks i write things on my phone like i'm just i need to be organized so for me i don't just wait for things kind of thing Yes, with songwriting, though, you kind of need to have a creative flow happening. So if I was to write a song, that's completely different. But if it was for planning like a gig um, for DJing, super, super organised, yeah. So, and I think that for me, though, with DJing, I always feel creative. So um, there's always more to learn. So you can be working on like a mashup or something or a mix. And I just always feel that there for that. Yeah. And back to your point around having to put yourself out there after that competition and and hit up the restaurant and go to agencies and put your name out there, both as a person, but also as a DJ, how hard was that? And how did you overcome that challenge? It was always hard for me. Like I've always struggled with a bit of anxiety. And so for me, it's, it's always there to kind of like, you know, you always got that thing saying, don't, you know, you can't do it. Don't do it. But it was just kind of like pushing it aside and going, you know what, I'm just going to do it. Like, and just kind of go, go, go and not um, stopping. Because once you stop, you kind of lose that confidence, if that makes sense. So for me, it was just always trying to work out, um, just being organized, I guess, and working out what was the next step that I could do to get to where I want to be. Just kind of having that clear mind and... um, yeah, just always thinking one step ahead, I guess. Yeah. You graduated from the Australian Institute of Music with a Bachelor of Music. How has that shaped your work, Christy, as a DJ specifically? With DJing, surprisingly, you do need to know a bit of music theory. I'm sure not all DJs know music theory and that's fine, but 
for me, it does definitely help. And I think um, a lot of the big DJs use it as well. It helped me a lot. Like um, I, I could go into it, but um, for example, like you need, songs need to be in similar keys to mix into. If you don't do that, then they're going to clash and sound terrible. So if you don't know a little bit about music theory or you don't have a good like music ear, then it's going to be hard for you to DJ. So I definitely think that that helped me a lot um, to just jump into that. Having that background in music, it was, I thought of things more technically than just like, oh, I'm DJing, having fun. You know, I was like, okay, so this is in the key of this and this is in the key of that and I'm going to do this. Like it was more technical to me and I liked that. So I still do that with DJing now. So, yeah, I guess I use the music theory and the performance um, experience that I've had as well. You said to me before our chat, Christy, that you are quite introverted at times and, as you said, some challenges with anxiety. How significant has DJing been for your personal growth? What change have you seen in yourself having put yourself out there as a DJ and playing in front of hundreds of people? At the time, yeah, it just, like, it was really hard at first, I'm not going to lie, and it just, the more I did it, just like anything, the more you do it, the more confident you become and if you do have any fears or worries it will go away you know what I mean so that's kind of like anything um you know with anxiety so you just you just need to keep on going and have those positive thoughts and building yourself up and continuing to do things it makes it go away and as a DJ as a performer are you able to put on a bit of a persona or a bit of a front you know your musician name is Azure are you able yeah. to kind of create almost a bit of an alter ego when you're up there? Yeah, well, I used to always say that about um, my name is yours. So that's why I don't really go under my own name because I feel like when I'm performing, I am a different person. Not like, I guess it's a different part of me. Yeah. So it is my alter ego. And um, it's, it's just like, I don't know. I just feel more confident and um, I just become a different person. So that's why I named myself Azure because it's like the, the inner, you know, person within me. That's the creative, the musician that doesn't care about anything else around them, you know. So that's my, um, my alter ego, Azure, yeah. <laughs> and it is a, unfortunately, it's a male-dominated industry being a DJ. What have you done to overcome or how have you overcome those inequalities and the stereotypes that come with being a DJ? Well, the good thing is these days, there are a lot of female DJs who are doing really well. Um, So I guess they really inspired me, you know, like DJ Tiger Lily, um, Brooke Evers, people like that. And, but what I experienced, um, I guess, as a DJ, you do experience, um, it's it's really challenging. And I think also being a mum, it's hard for people... I guess not all men, but men to understand what you might be going through, um, how you kind of make notice for gigs and stuff like that now. So I'm finding that hard now, like people kind of understanding, but I want to break that if that makes sense. Like I don't want to be like, I'm a mum, I'm going to stay home and do just be a mum. And that's okay. People want to do that. It's totally fine. But for me, I have to still be determined and make sure that um, whatever stereotypes are out there that I'm going to beat them and keep on doing what I want to do for myself, you know, being a creative and being a DJ. So hopefully I can beat that. 
and being a trailblazer, Christian, and paving the way and breaking that new ground for other female performers generally, what advice would you pass on to other young female musicians, specifically DJs? I guess to just always believe in yourself and um, don't, if anyone appears intimidating to you, to just don't listen to them, you know, always whatever you feel in your intuition, you go by. You know what I mean? I think that's really important. Um, yeah, and also just kind of going, following big female musicians that are doing well themselves is also really helpful. Um, I would suggest like DJ Tiger Lee, she's a really lovely person as well. So finding people that are on the same level as you, like personally and uh, musically, that also gives you more confidence to, you know, follow in their footsteps kind of thing. This is the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media. Chrissy, do you recall your first introduction to music when you were young? Uh, not exactly the first moment. Um, my nan was a singing teacher as well. That's kind of what I remember her always singing around the house. Like she was very classical, um, kind of opera sounding. <laughs> so it was very funny and loud and um, dramatic, but she was amazing. Um, so I guess having that around and then also um, I would sing in choirs from the age of six and then I sing in church as well, like from like at the front of the church from the age of 10. So I just feel like it's always been there. I don't remember really, but I just remember that when I was young, I was like, I'm going to be a singer one day, you know, and that's what I wanted to be. So I just didn't give up. Yeah. What was it about performance that you loved in those early years, do you think? I think for me, like I was always shy. So um, I liked that I could, I felt confident when I was performing or singing or acting or dancing. So for me, it was, I guess that alter ego thing. Like I felt like I could be someone else for a second or this part of me would come out that I didn't know was there kind of thing. And I felt confident. So that's what I remember even as a little girl. So I continued to keep doing that because it felt good for me, like as a person and who I was, it just helped me to step out of the norm and just helped me to follow challenges and things like that and grow. Yeah. You mentioned your nan going around singing classical and opera. Is there other music that you associate with your childhood? I reflect on my childhood and my parents would have Queen and Supertramp blaring and they're the songs that take me back to my youth. Were there particular bands or artists that you really attached to your upbringing? When I actually like sang my own, like discovered my own taste, I guess. Uh, I mean, my parents had a lot of church stuff, but they also had, because um, my dad can sing as well. So that's my dad's mum. They had like Celine Dion CDs and stuff like that. So the big vocals um, and then Shania Twain's a lot of country and like Beach Boys and um, those kind of um, musicians and the chorus, Fleetwood Mac. Um, but my style, like when I was in high school and I started singing out of my own enjoyment, it would be like Christina Aguilera, Alicia Keys, um, Pink and people like that. So Christina Aguilera, I was a diehard fan for her. So, yeah. What was it about Christina and Pink and, and these other artists that you think you were drawn to? Um, I think the like 
the emotion and the strength they had as women. Like I loved that about them, especially like Christina, because she didn't care what anyone else thought. And I thought that was really cool. Like as a little girl, I was like, oh, she's so cool. Like she doesn't care, you know, about, you know, the difference between men and women. Um, she just did whatever she wanted to do. And yeah, that was awesome for me. And even a step before that, as you referenced, Celine Dion, Shania Twain, Stevie Nicks, the music that I guess was your early influence. Do you think where you are now that you took confidence, consciously or not, that there were these female performers out there, again, breaking new ground in a male-dominated industry? I guess I didn't know it then, but um, I guess for me, I did like following like journeys of musicians that were female and you know seemed like strong women in their lyrics particularly yeah and Chrissy growing up in the Blue Mountains and attending Blackson High School what role did education play in your upbringing? Blackson High was an interesting school (laughs) Um, but I would say I'm going to be honest (laughs) and say the mountains is great but Blackson High I wasn't a huge fan of the school at the time, but it's a great school now. But I would say I made my own moves outside of the school. Um, but the mountains in general, there's a lot of there's a lot of creative things in the mountains. So I got singing lessons in the mountains in Glenbrook, and um, it's always around you. So there's always something going on. Like I remember even in Springwood when I was younger, there's like buskers around and um, just different creative. Um, everyone like kind of dresses their own way you know it's not like about fashion it's kind of expressing yourself and who you are and I was able to do that at school actually like I could you know do whatever I wanted to my hair I could wear like different colored socks and weird bags and stuff so I guess in the mountains it was cool like that you could you could be yourself yeah and aside from music at school were there particular subjects that you were drawn towards um I Loved music and um, drama, but drama was my favourite at school because of my teacher. Um, he was just amazing. His name was Mr. Wormald, and um, he was just the best ever. And he was really encouraging. And I think I'm really drawn to people that are encouraging and um, that don't like pick favourites. So he was just like kind to everyone. And um, I think that's why I really love drama. And he just, he told me I was good at what I was doing and that made me feel nice. <laughs> and everyone else as well. Like even with the musicals, like there was just a lot of encouragement with, um, you know, the creative department there at that time. Yeah. And so I did dance as well, but drama was my, definitely my favourite that I felt most confident in, surprisingly, over music. Um, and I also loved um, community family studies. Surprisingly, yeah. <laughs> and to the end of your schooling years, did you feel that you were, I guess, being pushed in a particular direction for a career? Obviously, you had a passion for music and performance, but did you feel that there were kind of stereotypes or certain paths that you should pursue after school? Yeah, um, I did get into teaching, which I felt like everyone was doing, and so that's why I went for it but I didn't, I didn't go. Like I took um, two years off before I started TAFE and then AIM. Um, Yeah, definitely there's pressure there, but my parents were kind of encouraging for me to do what I wanted to do. Um, So I guess I was lucky to have that and they knew that I loved music. So 
I just got a job straight after school and then decided what I wanted to do after that. Yeah, so, but there's definitely pressure there. Like I know a lot of friends that went straight to uni as well, yeah. And being a mum now, do you think, is that front of mind for you to, to enable your son to, when the time comes, to pursue his passions and chase his dreams? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Nothing makes you happier. Like there's no point working. I believe there's no point working in a job that doesn't make you happy, you know, unless you're doing something on the side that is going to make you happy, you know, like you can't just, money is, it will only make you happy for a short time, you know. So I just believe, um, yeah, I'll definitely push him to, not push him, but encourage him to pursue his dreams. Yeah, definitely. And as you referenced there, you went on to study at TAFE and the Australian Institute of Music. Reflecting on those years of study, what do you think it taught you about music? What's the biggest thing you took from that time studying, specifically, I guess, the theory of music? It's just so in-depth. There's stuff about music that you don't even know exists until you study it. And it's crazy. I was there for five years, so um, I can't even, like, start to begin like begin to explain it you know like there's so much depth to music um especially music theory i'm really like i love music theory i my brain works very like mathematical so for me music theory was really um it's kind of like maths to me so i found it really enjoyable yeah so i don't know like understanding music as theory is like another language it is another language so you're learning another language in depth but I reckon even harder than learning another language for sure so I mean it's just amazing like the things you can learn it's so cool yeah and how important do you think Christy it is for any musician to have that theoretical backing but also to have an appreciation for the history of music and those that have come before you as a musician yeah um I think it's super important like especially history wise you know everything stems from, you know, the people prior to us. So, you know, understanding, um, you know, historical music and, um, you know, back from even classical, like Mozart and things like that, like understanding um, Western classical music and uh, jazz and blues and roots, all those kinds of styles are all in everything today. And rock, and then, you know, you've got the newer style of music, everything comes together like all the influences even hip-hop take things from jazz samples and things like that so everything stems from somewhere so you definitely once you learn about like the history you then listen to the new stuff and you're like hey that's that you know and it's really cool Um, and it gives you like more appreciation to music as well and was there a particular genre or era of music that you were drawn too when you're studying it was something that really resonated with you um yeah i loved like soul so all the um and blues as well i love jazz too but i would say i guess that maybe equally but i think soul number one like aretha franklin Eddie james um people like that i love that stuff but i also do love all genres like folk and rock and everything i can appreciate them but for me as singer um, soul is number one, yeah, for sure. And Christy, your graduation recital from AIM was a pre- pretty significant and big event for you. What did that involve bringing it to life and performing that? 
Um, so much. <laughs> you pretty much have to, well, you choose your songs, which is also a hard decision in itself um, because there's so many songs out there. And um, you can do your own arrangements if you want to of different songs. Um, and you can also do originals if you like. But I chose, I chose my own songs. I chose um, neo soul classics, ones that weren't so popular. And I chose a few folk, folk soul um, classics as well. And I also took a Christina Aguilera song and made it my own. So I made it like a um, Latino kind of uh, acoustic vibe, which was cool. So then once you've got everything that you want to, you know, play within the recital, you grab the band together, you organise a band. Um, you don't have to pay your musicians, but I paid them. So I, I did it as like a professional concert kind of thing. Um, you arrange your backing vocalists, um, your staging, your lighting, but it's not just like getting people together. You have to like write charts and sheet music um, yourself and then, you know, you can get help from others as well. And harmonies, you have to write all those as well. Then the hardest part is getting the band together all at once <laughs> because musicians just are notoriously known not to show up to things. So <laughs> that was the hardest part. Um, but yeah, it was just awesome. I had trumpet, sax, um, you know, drums. I had a horn player, cushion, um, three BBs. Like it was just a huge, big band. It was so awesome. Yeah, it was the best feeling ever. <laughs> And what was the feedback you received from that recital performance? Well, with the recitals, they're super, super strict and a bit like biased, I would say. And so whatever the style they're into, it all depends on what judge you have on the day. So unfortunately, I had some musical theatre people on my panel, which isn't what I did. <laughs> so, I mean, I had, some, I had some good feedback, but I also had some not so good feedback, which... Um, it does, like, it was upsetting at the time. But for me, you can always grow from things. And also what I learned was that everyone likes certain things. So no matter what feedback you get, it doesn't mean that it's right because it's what that person thinks. So that's something that I learned from AIM in general is that someone might not be into your style voice and that's okay. Like, we don't like every single singer. You know what I mean? So if um people feeling my voice then that's great but if they aren't that's okay too um but yeah I definitely had mixed feedback but for me for myself it didn't matter what they said for me it, I felt like it was amazing like I felt like for me as a person I grew a lot and I felt like I did the best I could as well and my family and friends like said it was great and that was the best feeling as well having them all there do you measure your performances a lot of the time based on that I guess intrinsic gut feel, like do you know when it's been a, a good performance? Yeah, I know, like I'm definitely perfectionist. So when things don't go so well, I'll pick on that sometimes, but I'll know when like it does go well too, if that makes sense. With singing, especially because it's a part of you, like it's your voice. So I find I'm more uh, critical with that kind of stuff than I am say with DJ because it's part of you. Like, I don't know if it's different if you play an instrument like a tile, but your voice is your instrument. That's a part of you. Like it's inside of you. So it's, you feel like if someone critiques it, it can hurt a lot, but it's about knowing that every voice is unique and not everyone is going to like your style. 
and that's okay. So that's what I kind of learned at the end of the day. And for me as well, because I had vocal damage as well. So I had to go through that and then relearn how to sing and um, discover my own voice. Yeah. How hard was that to overcome suffering the vocal damage and having to, to relearn how to sing something that you'd done for so much of your life? It was super hard because I was still at AIM. So I just had to do some theory subjects while I was recovering, took me about a year. Um, I was lucky enough to come across a teacher there um, and her program's called Voiceology. I don't know if you've heard of Diana Rubis. She won The Voice one year. Anyway, her mum, it's her mum, and she's just amazing. And um, she taught me to relearn to sing again with proper technique and things like that. And to learn proper technique after listening to such like powerhouse vocals like Christina Aguilera and Aretha Franklin and stuff where they just belt, belt, belt kind of like singing from their throat and singing loud. Um, it was really hard for me to relearn that because that was like a, you know, an automatic thing for me to do. So, yeah, it was super hard. But once I practiced, 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 um, learned how to sing properly again with scales um, and I could go on and on about it, um, proper technique, then I knew that I would have longevity with my voice and I wouldn't have damage again. So. Yeah, I guess it was a good thing that it happened. And you also teach music and vocal training nowadays. What are you trying to pass on to students around that vocal technique and I guess the importance of it, knowing what you've been through? Um, so I, I'm not teaching at the moment, but I was prior to having a baby. And um, I, I teach voiceology. So that's um, Marion who taught me to sing again. Um, that's her program. So when I do teach, I teach that. and. I guess for me, if a student came to me, I could hear that they were belting. Um, and if anyone listens to this and they, they like belting, that's okay. <laughs> um, but for me, I like to, if someone comes to me, I like to kind of explain to them the damage that it does to their voice because it's pretty much just like yelling, um, you know, screaming. Um, it does the same thing. So I guess for me, it's about teaching that if you want to sing in the long run, that it's best to learn proper vocal technique to have longevity in your voice and to not suffer, you know, doing multiple gigs over and over and then not be able to sing because you've lost your voice. So pretty much you shouldn't actually have to lose your voice when you sing. You should be able to do gig after gig after gig and not lose your voice. So with proper technique, you won't lose your voice. So in the long run, if you're going to be making money from music, it, it's better for you to learn proper technique, yeah. This is the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media. You mentioned before when you were reflecting on the work and the output and the feedback that you receive and that you can be a bit of a perfectionist with your work. How do you go about balancing the need for your work to be as good as it can be and as close to perfect as possible with output? Because if we spend our whole time chasing perfection, you know, you're potentially not having any output. How do you go about balancing the need to be putting stuff out there and whether it's as a DJ or a musician, but trying to make it as good as it can be? Uh, it's really hard at first. <laughs> um, I guess you just have to learn to let go of certain things. I guess when you're a perfectionist, it's kind of always there in the background of your head. You're always thinking about it. But um, I guess it's training yourself to let go and knowing that nothing is ever perfect. 
So even though you might, you know, you might try and stray that way sometimes, no, I've got to get it perfect. You know, it's not perfect. You know, you do the best that you can do up to the point that it's, it doesn't become stressful. And then that's your best that you can do. Do you know what I mean? And then um, letting go, like learning to let go and just, um, that's something that I found to be able to post things and having the confidence to do that as well, like on Instagram or whatever. It's hard to do that for me, but I still do it even though I know it might not be perfect. So I think it's just going over that hurdle kind of thing. Yeah. You had a track feature on Bondi Beach Radio, which is a massive accomplishment. How do you go about measuring success as a musician? Is it the the recognition you receive? Is it the amount of views you get? Or is it something a little bit deeper around success as a musician? Um, I think probably everyone sees it differently. For me, um, I guess like having recognition is one thing. Like, you know, being able to, for people to tell you that they like, they like your music and they, they're vibing with it, that's something that really, you know, it's just amazing feeling. I guess that's definitely one thing for me, like being on the radio was always like a goal for me. So being played on Monday Beach Radio, I don't know, that for me was like a moment of um, having that recognition. Um, others, it might be like, you know, playing in a festival or something like that. And that would be a dream. <laughs> but I think, yeah, that was like a huge accomplishment for me. Yeah. And when you're up on stage, Christy, as a DJ, are you trying to prescribe feelings to the audience and the crowd? Do you want them to feel a certain way or do you want them to interpret that as they will? I want everyone to have a good time <laughs> DJing, but you can't please everyone. Um, but if you go to a venue like, and you're, they're going to the R&B room, then obviously they're going to expect R&B. But some venues you have to play like all genres. So you do get some people that don't want to hear what you're playing and that's okay. But I, I guess as a DJ, you have to read the crowd and play what the majority wants. So, that's what I aim to do. So I aim to make most of the crowd happy. Yeah. So play what mostly everyone's going to dance to, not just what one person wants to play. Yeah. And where do you draw your inspiration from? What are you trying to channel through your work? Like, I just love to see people having fun and like just having the time of their life, to be honest. Like that is such an amazing feeling. I can't describe it. Like, I like I don't really plan my DJ sets as such. I make sure I've got all the tunes and make sure I've got everything so I'm not stuck, you know, to play a song. But when you're there, it's about vibing with the crowd and um, making everyone feel good. So that for me is just, it's like you're, I don't know how to describe it, like you're, you're partying with them but you're not kind of thing and you're creating that vibe on the dance floor so when you see people dancing like you're doing that and that feels really good you know like you're making people have a fun time and that's it's such a cool feeling yeah we've seen in recent years the barriers to entry for a lot of creatives have actually been removed with the accessibility of music video podcasts through things like spotify and youtube and instagram but at the same time, it's actually flooded the market. So now there's so many more people out there showcasing their craft. What do you feel is your point of difference as a DJ, Christy? How do you separate yourself 
from the masses? That's a hard one. I mean, there are so many people out there now. Like there's so many yeah, platforms. I guess for me, because I'm a singer as well, so when like even in your shot, I sang in my DJ performance as well to kind of make it my own. I guess that's my own thing, you know, like I don't, I'm not just a DJ. I have a, like a musical background as well as a singer. So I know, you know, I feel like I know a lot about music. So I'm not just like I'm a graduated student um, with a bachelor. So that for me, I know about every single genre that is pretty much exists. So for me, I feel like I'm just a very, I'm a DJ that could play anything that you want me to kind of thing. Whereas some DJs might just be, I only play this, I only play that. And that's okay. Um, but also my vibe is just, I don't know. It's just, I'm just a genre. I can't, ex I can't explain it. <laughs> I'm just who I am. So I don't know. I try and bring that to any mix or to just me as a person. Like when I talk to people as well, just like a happy, positive person. Yeah. And whilst it's all about, immersing yourself into the journey and the performances when you take a step back christy where where do you want to go as a dj what's the vision for you as a performer i have always wanted to perform at a festival like whether that's singing or djing like that's something that would be like my number one goal and it doesn't even have to be like a big thing like just if i was on a small stage that's like that would be like my biggest goal you know, um, that would be like yeah, a dream, I reckon, for me. And last year, as you referenced, Chris, you became a mum for the first time. What has motherhood taught you? Um, <laughs> so many things. It's a crazy world. Um, yeah, it's taught me that I don't want to give up on my dreams, you know, and what I want to do for myself because being a mum, you, you can lose yourself. Like you get caught up in, you're always looking after someone else. Like, you know, you're, you know, all they know is you. So it's really challenging and you can't really escape a lot of the time. So for me, it's kind of trying to balance, making sure that I find the time to do those little things for me, whether it's an hour here and there, just doing a mix. Um, or even when he was like a really little baby, I'd put him in his carrier and I'd do a DJ mix with him on me. So I guess it's just trying to find the balance. You know, when he's asleep, I'll try and make a playlist while he's asleep on me or it's just like nonstop, but you have to do it because if you stop, then you won't, you won't continue it. Do you know what I mean? Um, I feel for me though, if I had a break and just stopped doing music altogether, it would be harder for me to go back to it. So I'm just really determined, I guess, to not give up despite the fact that my life is very busy now. Yeah. <laughs> we recently spoke with Nicole Law on the podcast, who's a local artist, and she said that for her, becoming a mum actually helped her with the output of her work because she was less attached to things practically because she knew she didn't have as much time, but also because she had that broader perspective on life have you found that the work you're producing now, you're able to be a bit more efficient and effective with it now? Um, for me, um, I mean, I feel like it's a little bit more stressful. I'm not going to lie, me personally, because I'm super organized. So I need, I kind of need a lot of time 
and I don't have a lot of time. So I kind of manage that by not taking too much on at once. So I, I just take on a gig here and there, like every couple of weeks or once a month for now until um, he's a little bit older, just because for me it's about putting um, everything that I can into it and not half doing it. Only because I'm super, like, it's just how my brain works. I need to be super organized. And if I don't, if I can't do that, then I get stressed. So for me, continuing to do it, um, being determined, but also not um, doing it so much that I'm going to be too stressed and overwhelmed. Yeah. Managing like a balance. It's been an inspiring journey to this point, Christy, when you think about your studies and the your shot competition and growing as a dj becoming a mum do you take time amongst your busy schedule to stop and reflect on the journey to now um yeah no i do it's been a big journey yeah and definitely even like um leading up to this i was thinking about it as well i was like wow it really has been a huge journey so and this is just another thing like being a mum it's just another you know step in the journey i guess and it's just another challenge and there'll be more to come you know and that's okay (laughs) and do you believe in life christy that we find ourselves or that we create ourselves as people do you feel that the path is laid out and we just live it or that every decision we make every day shapes where we end up Mm, that's a hard one i mean i I definitely think it depends, like you need to put work in to get to where you are. Um, if you just kind of go with the flow, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you'd really get to where you want to be. Um, for me personally, like I know that I've had to work really hard to get things and it probably does come a lot easier to some people, maybe certain things. Um, but for me, you have to, you have to make that path yourself. Yeah, definitely. It's the choices that you make along the way that are important. And what's next for you? What does 2022 have in store for you as a DJ? This right now, I'm doing a lot more events and weddings because it's um, it works well for me with the hours. Um, just right now, while my bub's little, but I, you know, I do plan to do a lot more um, bar kind of gigs and things like that. But at the moment, I'm just focusing on like events and weddings and a couple of bar gigs here and there, but not so much clubs. I am planning on releasing a song this year. So if I can get that finished, that's another goal. Yeah. And what's the best way for people to follow your progress and check out your work and check out that song when it comes out later in the year? Um, follow me on Instagram. I would say that's the best place to catch me or Facebook as well. Christy, thank you for sharing your inspiring journey on the Passion and Perspective podcast. Wishing you all the best. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Thanks for listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast. The Passion and Perspective podcast is made in loving memory of Katie Margaret Lees, who truly lived with passion and perspective.